We have a lot of territory to cover. So, okay, I give up. We're already cutting into each class of them, so we need to kind of follow the schedule a little A key verse that uh, that we've talked about many times, and I'm not sure it's been, uh, I used it early Sunday, but I'd like to maybe call it to your attention this morning, is Proverbs 25.2, because as we begin a little bit to soar into the heavenless, as we look at, and Brother Jim has laid a tremendous foundation for this uh, uh, type of discussion. 25 to a proverb says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. Louder. Can you? Can everybody hear me okay? That one doesn't have anything to do with it. That's the recorder only. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. If anybody has trouble hearing and wants to hear, hold up your hand and I'll holler. You, uh, if you don't want to hear, don't bother. Just close your eyes and wrap on. Everybody read Proverbs 25, 2, I hope. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. And that's really what we are striving to be, brothers and sisters and respected friends, is to be kings. So if to be kings, we need to search. And... Uh, Today we're going to talk about the Arabs uh, as a little preliminary, and I know every, and we're still in introduction, by the way. We deal, and I, and I put it on the board, we deal with animals, trees, birds, and conditions. And if you wonder what conditions are, we'll talk about it later, but we've had an excellent uh, uh, point on conditions this morning talking about blindness, and we will come through to some of that also in Isaiah uh, 35. But we're going to look at animals, trees, birds, and conditions. We are dealing with, uh, this morning, we, we can't defer this any longer, Arabs. Now remember, Arabs will be associated, and, and yesterday, hopefully, everybody got the point. I had about 10 more pages to read, but I, I, I decided not to read it. Between the present associations of, those, of Russia and Syria, or Damascus, okay, and we'll follow that through a little bit, but we, want, we need to focus between northern Arabs, southern Arabs, and I really thought I asked you to read Genesis 17 and Genesis 33, but apparently I didn't, so it's okay, because I need to read it. I read it uh, yesterday afternoon with somebody else, but I w the, the purpose, and this is part of the Arabic conditions that we would say could be yet in the future. Now, again, I'll, before we go there, I want to take a look. at a couple of thoughts that are current events in the Arabic world. Now, as, as we mentioned the other day, it's almost impossible to identify who all the Arabs are. Uh, all I can remember, does everybody remember if it says... Keep your microphones on. 
Okay. I'm in trouble this morning. I'm not wired. Remember we talked about FLP? Everybody remember what FLP means? Okay, great. Front for the Liberation of Palestine. Uh, there we have a DFLP, a PFLP, a PFLPGC. We have an IRG, which is Iranian Revolutionary Guards. We have a, a Marxist DFLP. We have, if you count all these up, there are, the way I counted this morning, at least eight different groups of Arabic people to go along with the countries of Syria, Libya, Iraq, and Iran, and we'll take Lebanon with a quote, uh, quotations around it. We also have three religions involved, the Shiite, the Sunni, and the Druze. In addition to that, we have in Lebanon uh, the, the Christians and the Muslim conflict led by uh, Aon, I think you pronounce his name, of the Christians, and uh, Salon al-Has, the Muslim leadership. Well, we're not going to bore you with a lot of the detail, but to call this to your attention, uh, there is a, in July 17, I believe it is, uh, U.S. News, spoilers of the peace in the Middle East, and it enumerates, you know, this whole group one way or the other. But then it, it goes on to say that they have not only the hostility with Israel, but they also have a lot of hostility between each other. They are a very hostile group. Uh, also, we now find that the group in what we would deem the Arabic countries have a newfound friend in Iran. We also are aware that Iran, in fact, we have a headline here from a uh, paper which says that uh, the U.S. is tilting toward Baghdad and the Russians are tilting toward Tehran. Or Tehran is tilting toward the Russians. So we see other divisiveness. Hopefully yesterday we got a very clear picture that all countries, and this is an important principle, all countries are interested in their national interest. Now, the Arabic situation is, is further confused by not only their, their, but because of their religious backgrounds and because of their intertribal communities, or whatever that may mean. They all have a, uh, a professed hatred to Israel, but they also, keep in mind, they have a professed hatred toward each other. Uh, so in, with that, you know, if you ask me or if you ask, I have no idea what they are likely to do in the next few years. Uh, the next few months, the next few weeks. I do think there are some things in the scriptures that we need to keep in mind uh, we, that are important in looking at the total picture. Uh, and again, we have attempted this morning, as you can see, and I want you to keep in mind Genesis 14. Uh, you remember it said four and five, and I'll assure you, I don't know who the four and the five are. It's interesting that somewhere amongst this group, though, we have a four, and if you look at the bottom between Tarshish, Tyreside, and Egypt, Sheba and Dedan that belong to this group, we can have a five. 
Now, I'll leave that to your individual study, but I want you to realize that what we were talking about yesterday, there is a north-south division. Okay? In the south, there's no question, it's Tarshish, Tyre, Sidon, Egypt, Sheba, Dedan, and we always think in terms of, in the final manifestation of, the, of this conflagration of peoples will be Abraham, spiritual Israel, and Lot, natural Israel. So, and again, we now call to our remembrance that in Israel, we have the division between Judah and Ephraim. Now, that'll clear up, hopefully, as we move on. Uh, let's look at, at uh, Genesis 17. I tell you, let, let me change my mind, and let's go to Genesis 33 first. Right, this is the reuniting of Jacob and Esau. I think everybody here is uh, familiar with the, the general story. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Is that me or is that something else? Well, if it doesn't bother you, I, I, can, I can handle it. In verse 3, it says that he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground, notice, seven times. So we have to always watch for our numbers. In verse 9, and you remember the story here, Jacob, is, he's, he's frightened of Esau. And he, you know, he, he's wondering, well, how am I going to get along with that brother that's vowed to kill me? So he will offer him a lot of presents. We get to 9, verse 9, Esau says, I have enough, my brother. Keep what thou hast unto thyself. Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I find grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand. And therefore I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God. And thou was pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee because God hath dwelt graciously with me and because I have enough. And he urged him and he took it. And he, that's Esau, said, Let us take our journey and let us go and I will go before thee. And he said, and that's Jacob, he said unto him, My Lord knoweth that the children are tender, and the flocks and herds are young, are with me, and if men should overdrive them one day, all the flock will perish. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant, and I will lead on softly, according as the cattle that goeth before me, and the children be able to endure. And notice, until I come unto my Lord, unto Seir. And I believe that's a very prophetic phrase. Until I come to my Lord in Seir. It's a future to our time, quite obviously. And Esau said, Let me now leave with thee some of the folk that are with me. And he said, What needeth it? Let me find grace in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way unto Seir. And he goes on and says, Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. All right. I, I believe we have a prophetic utterance by, by Jacob saying, you go ahead before me until a future day I will come to you in Seir. Now, Seir, as we all know, is Edom. We're going to tie that in subsequently with Daniel 11 and, and Isaiah, 6, Isaiah 16. And I want you to turn to 17 of Genesis. And this is the, the promise to, to Abraham. And 
in verse 18, Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, and I'll read 19 only for continuity, And God said, Sir, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. A, a continuation of the uh, promise to the fathers. But, but remember, Abraham had promised, oh, that it, uh, Abraham had said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And notice what the Lord says. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Again, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Now notice 23, what Abraham does. And again, we would suggest we now move into a future application of what the answer to Abraham's words to the father, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God says, I have heard thee, and I will make of him a great nation. I want you to think not in the present, but think in the future. And Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were brought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto them. And Abraham was ninety years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael his son was thirteen years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son. And all the men of his house, born in the house, and brought with money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. Now, we would suggest to you that that is, is a prophetic uh, utterance. Uh, keep in mind also there that Abraham and Ishmael were circumcised in the same day. Okay, Ishmaelites and Esauites, and you remember Esau is Edom. Uh, we want to take a look at a, at a few prophecies in conjunction with this. I don't know whether you start at the end or the beginning, but maybe we should start at the end. Uh, turn to Isaiah 60, please. Isaiah 60 is a very important chapter for us to look at. Now remember, early on we, we suggested two things you always keep in mind. And this is under the caption of what is a concealed meaning. And one of the first questions you always ask yourself is the time. What time are we talking about? Is it we secondly ask ourselves, what is the geography? Where, what land are we talking about? All right, so is, we look at Isaiah 60, and it's not much question that when we read verse 2, darkness covering the earth, gross darkness to people, you know, we're talking about our time. 
you know, because we've talked about time that would describe almost any period of, of the history of the human family. Verse 3 says, The Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. And we suddenly see the advent, first and second advent, being presented to us. Verses 4 to 7 says, Lift up thine eyes round about and see. All that gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. Now remember that had a, had a partial fulfillment at the first advent. It has a far greater fulfillment at the second advent. And I want to pause here for a moment and look at Matthew it down and I don't know where I wrote it so hang on give me one minute Matthew 4.24 I'm looking in Luke so no wonder I'm not having been too successful uh, and his fame went through it all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. But you get a scope of that geography. And so we know that it has to have a future application. People from everywhere, and notice particularly there, even Syria is thrown in, which we'll talk about at a subsequent period. And, and Luke, uh, look at Luke 4.40. Again, these are, these are miracles that he performed when he was on earth. And we're, but we're looking at them for future indication to us. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. All right. When the sun was setting, the sun sets at the end of the day, right? We are in the period of the setting of the sun. It's also the rising of the sun. But in this, it's the evening coming, and all people are coming to him to be healed. I want to thank you to think of it in terms of just prior to the millennial period, when he first, between now and between the advent and the establishment of the throne in, in Zion. All right. In conjunction with this, take a look at Isaiah 35. of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then shall the lame man leap as a heart, 
And the tongue of the dumb sang, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Don't, we don't want to confuse the natural event with the spiritual teaching. And, and our, first, our second period class with Brother Jim really brought this point home, I think, very clear to us that it's not only the physical problem, but it's really the spiritual problem. You know, we can be blind and see. We can be deaf and hear. Okay? And here's a time that it speaks of the deaf seeing, the blind see, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, which is the time of the millennial period. Okay? Right back to Isaiah 60. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, and all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedah shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on mine altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. And remember the very the verse we've talked about. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as a doves to thy windows? That's the multitudinous Christ. That is those who are now in possession of the Holy Spirit and have been made consubstantial with deity at the time of that verse. Okay? Now notice that group mentioned before that. Midian, Ephah, Sheba, Kedar, Nabioth. They are all children of Abraham through either Keturah or Hagar. Okay? So remember, we now have the Egyptian connection. And you should, and we will later this week, hopefully, relate that to the time of Isaiah 19. All right? Now that's the end. We want to look at how we get there. And there's some interesting uh, verses that I think we need to look at. Let's look first in Jeremiah at 48:47. Now remember, as we go through this, you know, faith, geography, and time, okay? Forty-seven says, Yet I will bring again the captivity of Moab in the latter days, saith the Lord. Thus far is the judgment of Moab. Now if you turn back to verse 42, in that same chapter, it says, Moab shall be destroyed from being a people. So, you know, obviously, you know, if you think a moment, we've got to do some reconciling because one says Moab is going to be destroyed, is going to be destroyed from being a people. The other says, yet I will bring again the captivity of Moab in the latter day. All right, let's also see 49 and 6 to establish the same point here with Ammon. And afterwards I will bring again the captivity of the children of Ammon, saith the Lord. Now, let's, let's turn to Isaiah 42 for a moment. maybe we better begin in 41. Notice he says here, I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shitter tree, 
the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree, the pine, and the box tree together. I want you to think in terms of, of uh, Luke 21, which we have behold the fig tree and all the trees. I want you to also think in terms of, of this in conjunction with Isaiah 35, the blossoming of the, which we will read in a minute, but the blossoming of the wilderness and the desert. Water going forth in the desert. Here we have, uh, and on this point, uh, Brother Graham Pierce, if any of you have access to it, you might like to look in a way to Jerusalem. He points out that there are seven trees. These are all trees depicted as good trees. They are seven, representing a completeness. Four come from the wilderness, three from the desert, and that is the Arabian wilderness or the, the land that we know as the land of Arabia. Now, well, this will be this is tied in on the uh, subsequent events list that you have in your outline, which we'll talk about in a moment. I think maybe I want to read a moment from. Uh, let's turn to 34 of Isaiah. Okay, in 34, uh, you notice in verse 6, it says, The Lord hath a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. That can be tied with Isaiah 63. Who is this that comes from Basra, which we shall deal with a little later. But beginning in verse 9, it says, And the streams thereof shall be turned into pits, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. In verse 11, But the Camaron and the bittern shall possess it, and the owl also and the raven shall dwell in it. And ye shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. They, they shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, and none shall be there, and all her princes for nothing. And thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof, and it shall be an habitation of dragons and a court of owls. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island, and the saddle shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest there and find for herself a place of rest. There shall the great owl make her nest, and lay in hats, and gather unto her shadow. There shall be vultures also be gathered, every one with her mate. Seek ye the book of the Lord, and read. No one of these shall fail, none shall want her mate. For my and in 35, we have the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing and glory, and the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Verse 9 says, No lion shall be thou. Nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, and the ransom shall walk, and the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon thy heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. 
right, on the lion, I'd like for you to take a look at Jeremiah 50 and 17. Notice we have, uh, we're back to animals for a moment. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and last this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, hath broken his bones. So an obvious reference to lion being a Assyrian and a Babylonian. And remember in Isaiah it says, No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast. So we can assume there's not going to be any Babylonian there. And Babylon, we associate with this fourth beast, right? So we, now, again, if we think in terms of Isaiah 60, there is a depiction of the Arabic people as they are committed to following the Lord. Now, if you continue in Isaiah 60, and we'll do that a little bit later, it mentions the strangers will build a house, which would be the Ezekiel's temple. Uh, so, and, and Tarshish, the merchants would help Tyre and Hiram, as in type, would supply some of the material. So, we know we're in the time of the rebuilding of the temple. Now, I want to read this from, from Brother Pierce. He says, associated with this work of Christ in the south and in Arabia, there is a miraculous happening that is a fitting introduction of Christ to the world. The return of Christ to the earth means the work of miracle to the earth after many centuries of God hiding his face. We may think of the overthrow of the Gargian hosts in the land as the first manifestation of the divine power, but this does not appear to be so. The first miracle is an act of goodness and blessing, the providing of water in the desert for the outcast Jews in the hour of great distress. Everybody follow what he's saying. In other words, I want you to come back to geography. In the south, down in, you can't see it, but down in Sinai, the multitudinous Christ is, is formed. Okay, they become the doves that fly to the windows. And as they journey toward Jerusalem, they pass through this, this Arabian Peninsula. Now, the idea being that in that peninsula there is a conversion of these Arabic people which would comprise this, this land mass. Okay? Uh, he says that chapter 42, which clearly shows the people of Arabia subject to Christ and obedient and giving praise to Yahweh before the work of leading the blind and saving Israel. All right? So you need to fix this time. And he goes on to mention these seven trees. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shitter tree, and the myrtle, and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree, and the pine, and the box together, that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of Yahweh hath done this, and the Holy One of Israel hath, cre hath created it. The seven trees named are all good trees, trees of usefulness and pleasure. In, cha in, in chapter 55 of Isaiah, and I think we ought, we ought to, let's look at that. 
because it it kind of points out the idea of uh, a symbol as the interpretation. And that's an important thing because, you know, if so far you think, well, look, you know, there's no such thing, you know, trees are trees, uh, birds are birds, conditions are conditions, and animals are animals. And, you know, look, I hate to, I hate to digress, but I want to, you know, that was a artist. And artists and poets, and, and Brother Jim has kind of brought this out in his class, all of our problems of the, of the humanistic think, thinking has come from poets and philosophers of the past few hundred years. Again, I'm, I call to mind going to Russia and seeing how much of Russian orthodoxy is created by Catholic artists of five and six and seven and eight hundred years ago, back to eleven hundred. You know, they got all kinds of depictions, you know, a simple one, angel with wings. That's how they get the notion. Well, see, all this, well, we, that was a, an artist who drew a, a beautiful picture of what he perceived to be the millennium. And he's got a couple of goats laying around and a ram and a cow, and they all laying down together, a lion's there and a wolf's there, and he says, that's the millennium. Well, you know something? We get, we get a, a terrible picture out of that because that's not what we think about. All right, let's talk about trees. Verse 12 of 55 says, For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Any of you think that trees can clap their hands? You probably don't think a tree has a hand. I'm not sure whether it does or not. But trees don't clap their hands. But people and nations can clap their hands. And that's really what we that's the point, okay? When you read this, you read the symbology. When you talk about a blind man, look, the millennium or the healing of Christ of the nations when he returns to this earth is not going to be to go to a leper colony or a blind institute or a deaf institute and heal all these people. You know, we live in a, we live amongst a multitude of blind and deaf people. we even possessed with devils. Remember the story of Legion? 2,000 devils that went into the swine. You don't think this guy had 2,000 spirits, do you? He had 2,000 foolish ideas. And when we see of those, and remember we just read in Matthew, of those possessed of lunatics, they were lunatics. Well, you know, brothers and sisters and friends, we live in a world of lunatics. And it's really, when you think about it, it's a very apt description, along with gross darkness, blindness, and those type of things. Okay? All right. The, the Arabic people. Uh, we see them from the days in which we live, battling amongst themselves. We see them aligning themselves with Russia. We also see them looking to, for some other type of help. Uh, one of these articles that we didn't read from because of time speaks of King Hussein and the many problems he has. Right now he's having a tremendous economy problem. And it says in it that he's a survivor, so they think he'll survive. Well, he can't survive by aligning himself with Syria. He can't survive by aligning himself with Russia. 
he can survive by looking southward. And that's where he's going to be because Daniel 11 says so. And also, those countries will align themselves with the southern power. Now, the southern power is very difficult. We'll talk about it later. Initially, it was deemed and called by the name of Tarsus. It also has connotations of Tyre and Sidon and Egypt. And there was a king of the south, as there was a king of the north. Now, the final king of the south is quite obvious to us. It's a multitudinous Christ. It's a rainbowed angel who is going to form in Sinai, and we've just looked at it, he will capture these Arabic nations. And some will turn to him. Some will not. Uh, let's, let's take a look at it. On your outline, and this is on page two, and, and, and let, let me tell you, this outline is designed for about 52 and a half hour lessons. Okay? So you're getting six. Maybe. So you got to think in terms, the outline is totally uh, inadequate or over-adequate or whatever it is for what we're trying to do. I mean, I can't handle it, but I want you to take a look at it in its composite as you go home and study. And it's all these verses, and there are many more. On Moab and Ammon, we've read from Jeremiah 40, 47. I want to take a look at Jeremiah 12. And then we want to look at Ezekiel 25. Uh, look at Jeremiah 12 because this may give us a clue as to where we get to the, to the point that we want to go. And to me, you know, I had never, I'd read this, I guess, I don't know, a few times anyway, never noticed it. Recently in Sunday school class, it jumped out at me, you know, to, and hit me right between the eyes. Beginning at verse 14. Thus saith the Lord against all mine evil neighbors that touched the inheritance which I had caused my people Israel to inherit. Now, now, so we know he's talking about the neighbors of Israel. And run, run them through your mind. You know who they are. Mr. Bullinger says it's uh, Egypt, Edom, Philistia, Ammon, and Moab. Behold, I will pluck them out of their land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. And it shall come to pass after that I have plucked them out, I will return and have compassion on them and will bring them again every man to his heritage and every man to his land. And it shall come to pass if they will diligently swear by the ways of my people to swear by my name, the Lord liveth, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then shall they built, be built in the midst of my people. But if they obey not, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. All right, we, we see the picture very clearly. He said he was going to pluck up Judah, and he was going to pluck them up too. And we've certainly seen Judah plucked up, and we've seen Judah replanted. But we're focusing on the evil neighbors. And he says, look, you know, if you do, if you acknowledge the Lord liveth, and if you teach my, if you, as you taught my people to swear by Baal, then I'll bring you back to your land, bring you back to your heritage, and plant you, notice, in the midst of my people. And that's what we are really focusing on. Now let's uh, look at Ezekiel 25.
verse 4 says, Behold, I will deliver thee to the men of the east for a possession. Right, who are the men of the east? You know, we think of Revelation 16, the kings of the east, the kings of the sun's rising. All right. The ravenous bird of the east, east in Isaiah 41. Again, it's, it's the multitudinous Christ. So he says, you know, I'm going to deliver you, Ammon, to the men of the east. And notice in verse 5, and it says, You shall know that I am the Lord. Uh, Moab, in verse 8, he tells them, I'm verse 11, that I will execute judgments upon Moab, and they shall know that I am the Lord. All right, I want you to turn to Isaiah 16:4. We'll, we'll be back here because I think there's an answer to this. 16:4 of Isaiah says, "Let my well, let's read two also. For it shall be that a wandering bird cast out of the nest, so are the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords. So shall the daughters of Moab be at the fords of Arnon." And verse six. Let mine outcast dwell with thee, Moab. Be, be thou a covert to them from the face of the spoiler. Now, we all know who the spoiler is. I want you to bring it down to our time. The, the spoiler is this fourth beast of Daniel, the Russian aspect of it, as they come down to attack Israel and the Middle East. You remember, we talked yesterday, Right now, they're focusing on dealing with Syria to get their hands on Turkey. But, you know, they're not going to stop there. Remember those seven-year-old Octoberists? You know, they'll be 12 years old, and the one that's 12 will be 20, and the Russian forces get stronger and stronger and stronger, moving in, in accordance with Ezekiel 38, coming down against the glorious land. Okay. Moab a covert to his people from the spoiler. That tells me that if I live in Jerusalem and I want to be saved, I move myself toward Moab for protection in the latter day. We'll talk about that a little more in a little later. Uh, okay, notice it, it speaks of they shall be cut off, they shall lose their land, but they shall know the Lord. It speaks of being planted in the midst of his people, Israel. You know, it, you know, it, it kind of, you know, you got to begin to think about what's being said. Well, let's think a moment about the Abrahamic grant. Who does all this land belong to? Arabia or wherever else it may be. It all belongs to, it's all a part of the Abrahamic grant. Think of where Jordan sits, or where Moab sits, or where Ammon sits, or Arabia. It's all part of the Abrahamic grant. The land can't possibly exist. Because if it did, it would be in the middle of Abraham's land. So it, the land has to be out. It has to become part of the nation of Israel. However, people, people, Ishmaelites, in accordance with what the Lord said when Abraham asked of him, Oh, that Ishmael might walk before thee, he says, you know, he, he circumcised him. 
Abra- I mean, why do you think Abraham circumcised him? Just because he, he thought it was a health condition? Of course not. He did it because it was a foreshadowing. He did it in the 13th year. What does 13 mean? It's the number of rebellion. Very good. He's, Brother Cox attended Chuck's classes. Time of rebellion at, is over and the circumcision of Ishmael. Jacob said to Esau, you go on to Seir until I come. Okay, when is he coming? Shortly. Okay, and now we will have a reuniting of those two men, those two brothers. All right. Again, in our time, we're living in the period of the pricking briar. All the Arabic people are probably, and I'll leave this to your own individual study, are depicted in the trees and in the birds that we read of, in both facets of where they are now and where they will be later. Okay? Give me two minutes, Ronnie. You took two off of me. Okay. We want to make a summary, but tomorrow what we want to do, and on on this, if you follow the outline, you can hopefully can follow that through as far as the Arabic people. Tomorrow, we want to move to Daniel's visions. Friday, we want to look at the apocalyptic uh, visions of John. And then Saturday, continuing the apocalyptic visions of John, also with an order of events. I'd hope to do some of the order of events today. I would like for each of you to do one thing for me. In your outline, the preeminent nation, which is point five, I would like for you to look up each of those verses. I mean, and it's, I shouldn't say verses, it's probably four or five chapters. It may take you an hour or so to read them. But I want you to get to position of natural Israel as we move through this turbulent times. Uh, we can readily see that the kingdom of men, the image of Daniel 2, and the beasts of Daniel 7 are forming in the Confederacy as outlined in Ezekiel 38 and Apocalypse 17. In everyday language, we expect the following to occur as set forth by the prophets of Israel. Russia in control of Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, Magog, Turkey, Armenia, Syria, move against Israel in the south. The Russian alliance with the Vatican, the Roman Catholic Church, continues. For before the 40 years is over, they too will fall to the rainbowed angel as the final alliance of the kingdoms of men. And, and here we want to call to your attention, there are two battles. It's the battle of the Jerusalem area, which is an extension, or really it's the Basra conflict precedes it and is only an extension of it. Uh, following that, and somebody asked me yesterday, talking about time, my guess is it could be as much as 10 years separating those two battles because of the everlasting gospel of thunder. One, Revelation 14, which we're going to talk about uh, Friday. All right, at, during this interval, or after what we've seen, the call to judgment of the coveted people of all ages, living and dead, to the region of Sinai. Israel and Judah to be overrun by this Russian invader who will not enter into Edom, Moab, and part of Ammon, as Daniel 11 says. The final reunification of the dragon and the beast, that's communism, Russia, and the harlot of Rome, Babylon, occurs after the enthronement in Jerusalem at the time of the Olivet Prophecy. The alignment is in the early stages of development at present, and we expect to see this 
association continue? And as we pointed out yesterday from the newspaper that Brother Wayne suggested, we had it already with Poland establishing uh, ties with the Vatican. Okay. Thank you.